Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I cannot believe that Grammarly exists. Let me get to the point here. If I had Grammarly in school, it would have been so much easier to start school projects, to start essays. I feel like that's always the hardest part is just staring at a blank page and getting started. So Grammarly is an AI-powered writing assistant that helps you from start to finish, including starting ideas. Go to Grammarly.com students to download and learn more about Grammarly. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash S-T-U-D-E-N-T-S. All right, so y'all have a merch update. So the Lucky Girl merch is going to be available for pre-sale today. But if you're listening to this in the morning, it's not available quite yet. So the whole entire collection will be available for pre-sale today at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So get ready. Come follow me on Instagram. You can follow the Note to Self Instagram or my Instagram or both. And I will let y'all know when that drops and then I'll have links out to everything and it's going to be so good. So I'll see you there. Hey guys, this is Note to Self and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to Note to Self. My name is Peyton Sarton. I am your host and I have some very exciting news today. So today, November the 2nd, I have the new Note to Self merch available for pre-order today. I do want to put a little disclaimer in there. I'm supposed to get, I'm recording this two days prior. I'm supposed to get my photos and content in by the end of today. So we'll see if I do that in order to get it up on Thursday, but I believe, <laughs> I believe, no, I'm going to say it is, it, it is available for pre-order today. I am doing a second run of the Lucky Girl collection. So we're doing drop two. This is going to be the last of the Lucky Girl collection. The first drop, the big t-shirt, the two big t-shirts and the mug and the journal are all still live for you guys to shop, but we are now adding to the Lucky Girl collection. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see what I'm wearing right now. This is two of the items that we have available in this collection, the Lucky Girl Crew and the Lucky Girl Joggers. I have been living in this set for a while now, okay? So you can buy them together. You can buy them separate. If you guys are just hearing this, we'll we'll talk through the uh, collection real quick. So the Lucky Girl Crew Neck is a navy hoodie with white lettering on the front. It just says Lucky and like varsity lettering, very much the same as the Lucky Girl Oversized Tee. 
And then the joggers have the same exact lettering on the side, same color, same everything. They match perfectly. They are so, so, so comfy. In this, I wear, in the crew neck, I wear a extra large because I like my stuff to be oversized on me. And then in the joggers, I wear a medium. And the way they fit on me, I'm 5'7". I feel like they fit my legs perfectly. They kind of gather at the bottom, by the way, too. I like to roll the top just slightly if I like that, you know, kind of like that look when it comes to the joggers. And then with the crew neck, definitely fits oversized, which I like. And I like to roll the sleeves up a little bit. I feel like it's just so cute today. I'm wearing it with my Burks. I do my fuzzy socks and my Burks usually. And that's my day today uniform, especially in the morning when it's cold here. LA is still pretty hot right now, but in the morning it's pretty chilly. So when I go walk Winnie outside or something, I am wearing this outfit or if I'm inside, I'm wearing this outfit or if I'm traveling, I'm wearing this. I'm just, I'm obsessed. Like I said, you can buy separately or you can buy together. When you purchase these items together on the website, um, you will get a little bit of a discount for the set together. And then the next thing I have is a luckiest girl in the world crop t-shirt, which goes really well actually with the joggers. It's very similar to the 222 larger oversized t-shirt I made in the last collection. So it just has in small lettering in the front, luckiest girl in the world. It's a super cute crop tee. It's kind of like a off white color a little bit. So I like to wear it with jeans or with the joggers or at this point during the daytime, like in the afternoon here in LA, I can wear it with shorts because it's still freaking hot outside. So I love that option. I live in crop t-shirts. It depends on like Inside my apartment, I don't have AC or like central air. So like if it's cold outside, then I'm cold inside. <laughs> and if it's hot outside, I'm hot inside. So I have both. I've been wearing the crop and the sweats like literally every single day. I've been trying not to get them in photos because I wanted it to be like slightly a surprise. The sweats have been in some YouTube videos at this point. Uh, another thing I've teased out that I feel like some of you guys noticed is the lucky hat. So same lettering as the sweat set. It's a navy hat. So it's like very clean and crisp looking with white lettering that just says lucky on it. I'm obsessed with it. I've worn it a number of times already. I try not to be too much of a dork and wear all of it all at one time <laughs> because it just looks like a uniform at that point. But I I love everything. I'm obviously biased, but actually I feel like I'm not biased. I feel like I just created what I like. And I know that you guys loved the first Lucky Girl drop. So we just did a little bit of an extension of that. Next year's like the beginning of next year's drop is going to be pretty different. Um, I already have that in the works. So this will be the last of the Lucky Girl merch. And I make sure made sure to put it on pre-order for you guys so we can make sure, make sure, make sure 100% that it's in for fall and winter outfits, as well as any kind of holiday gifting you're trying to do. I would jump on that and order your Lucky Girl merch. You guys can go to the website. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you guys. I also will have Links out to the products on Instagram, on my Instagram at Peyton Certain and at the Note to Self Instagram at NTS by PS. And you guys can see how I'm styling things and all of that stuff as well and all the cute photos that we took in them. So definitely go take a look at that. Otherwise, in terms of life updates, my puppy, still very cute. We still don't know what she is. I need to send her doggy DNA test off ASAP like today. The way that she's growing, I don't know if she's going to be a big dog or not. We're still trying to figure that out. Like, we have had some speculation. I think, after looking at photos, I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but I discovered a breed of dog called a Mexican street dog. And it's basically a breed of dog that's a mix of a ton of dogs and then, like, some also, like, feral dogs. Winnie is from 
Tijuana, her mom, like I said in the last episode, is like a guard dog at an auto shop there. So when they had the puppies, they kind of just like let them roam around and do whatever. Like they weren't really taking care of the puppies at this time because they were kind of just using the mom as a guard dog for the shop. So when I adopted her, her and her siblings all kind of look different from each other. And no one knows what she is. We know that the mom is a shepherd mix. So I'm really interested to see what she is. But I've seen this Mexican street dog on like just the DNA website that I got like the DNA test from for my doggy panel DNA test. I think it's called Wisdom Panel. And then a couple people have DM'd me after I made that speculation on my Instagram story, photos of their dogs that are Mexican street dogs. And some of them look very similar to Winnie, to my dog. And I did some research because there's so many different breeds and because there's been very little, like pretty much none human hand in the breeding of these dogs. It's not very like consistent. Like there's not like a specific way that they look. So she could be, she could not be the photos I've seen. I'm like, oh my God, she looks like this kind of. So we'll see what the wisdom panel DNA thing says. But so far she is healthy. She's happy. We're dealing with potty training right now. It's been a journey. At first she was so good. And then she's kind of like backslid a little bit. Like I was so excited. And then there was a little bit of backsliding going on. (laughs) But also as we get her like food figured out, what she likes, what she can eat, it's just a whole thing. I'm in the process of getting my pet insurance because I've been told by a number of people to do that because of, you know, unforeseen surgeries and things like that. I'm also just paranoid and I like today I was walking through my house just getting ready to come do this and she's super sleepy this morning because we had a big morning and anyway she's sleeping there and she's literally not moving in the living room and I called her name and she didn't move so I started having like a panic attack because I thought she was dead <laughs> which I don't even want to say that out loud but I that's what went through my head and I was I was like literally having a mental breakdown and I'm like I just need to get this pet insurance because I always think something bad's gonna happen I don't know what I'm going to be like as a as a mother to an actual human because any dog I've owned in my life, I've been almost like a helicopter mom to the dog. So I'm trying to learn. This is good practice for me. So pet insurance is being gotten. What else? I need to find a trainer for her because I would like to, over the holidays, send her to like an official trainer who can teach her everything. She's actually pretty great with most things. She understands like what her name is now for the most part. She does okay on a leash, but she could work. She could be better at this stuff. So I don't know. I kind of want to send her somewhere for the holidays so I can just like go home without having to board her and all of that stuff and like just simply board her, kind of just like give her to some trainer that can help me with her while I'm gone, basically. You know what I mean? So if any suggestions, let me know, especially I would say in the Southern California area. I'm happy to drive her somewhere. I had a couple friends who have sent me some trainers that they really liked. They sent their dogs to for like, anywhere from two to four weeks. And the dog, one of my friend Katie's dogs, he is, his name is Bear. Katie, if you're listening, hi. She's actually been on the podcast before. Bear is the most well-behaved dog literally in the entire world. And she says it's because of this trainer she sent him to. So that might be my journey. We'll see what happens. I cannot believe it's almost the end of the year. It is, by the time you're listening to this, November 2nd. So We're closing in on the year right now. I'm planning my 30th. I'm not a big birthday celebration kind of person, but I've been instructed that I'm not allowed to have dinner by myself on my birthday by my friend Kelsey. That is her rule. So we were considering Miami. Now I'm considering going to Napa just because I feel like it'd be so easy. And Miami, especially with my birthday being the day before New Year's, 
feels like it, one takes a lot of planning, two is going to be insanely expensive, and three is just such a commitment to go all the way to Miami and like stay there for my birthday as well as New Year's. So I think I want to do something a little bit more low-key. I think Napa might be the place. I found a hotel that I really am interested in going to. So that was Iman's idea, and I might be on on board with Iman's idea. And then I was thinking about doing something later in L.A., like after I get home from New Year's and all of that stuff for my friends here, because a couple people, couple people have so kindly inquired. They're looking forward to it, which makes me feel very special. So I feel like I kind of need to do something that my friends here can be a part of without having to ask, like, you know, all of them to go to Napa, you know, for it's just they don't need to be spending that much money. Anyway, that's some life updates for you guys. What else do I have for you? Oh, content corner. I wanted to talk about, let's see, someone I just started following. So as many of you guys may know, I was diagnosed with PCOS about a year and a half ago, and I have gotten back on like pretty regular periods just through like being healthy pretty much and like getting enough sleep and all of that. I think that I was also taking the Myo D inositol, I think is what it's called. I've been taking that for a while and I feel like my cycle is coming back. So I've been trying to learn more about cycle syncing. And for that reason, that's why I'm following. I followed her on my note to self TikTok. So maybe I'll make that a thing. Like I'll just follow a bunch of people on note to self that I feel like you guys should definitely follow. And you, you can go look at the note to self TikTok page and then just look through who I'm following. So one person I already have followed for a while for this topic, for the topic of PCOS in general, is Dr. Jolene Brighton, who is someone I definitely want to have on the podcast. It's literally just Dr. J-O-L-E-N-E Brighton, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. She talks a lot about uh, hormones and PCOS and fertility and things like that. So I've been following her for a while. Someone I have just discovered, she describes herself as a mental, or sorry, mental, menstrual health educator. Her name is Nicole dot Bendayan, B-E-N-D-A-Y-A-N. Um, I looked at some of her content about cycle syncing and like what you should eat and all that stuff. So definitely love following her. Let's see who else I have for you guys. I'm literally just going through who I've followed lately. I'm kind of obsessed with cats right now. So I have been following a lot of cat accounts that I just don't feel like I need to share with you guys. <laughs> Let me get you one more. Okay, so... I also started following Education in Crime, E-I-C. She describes herself as Southern, never serious, true crime, and comedy. So I started watching some of hers. Y'all know I love true crime, so I started watching some of her stuff. And then I'll give you one more. So I started following Teeny is her name, and her at is T-I-N-E-K-E-Y-O-U-N-G-R. And she does like a lot of cooking. And I just love her like very nonchalant kind of like sassy attitude. She's hilarious. So I definitely feel like I should follow her too because I love watching people cook. It's like one of my favorite things to follow. And that's it for Content Corner today. That's again, mostly just I'm on TikTok. That's where I consume the most content. So I've been following a lot of great people on TikTok lately. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. I've said it before, but I wasn't super on board with the idea of summer ending, except for the fact that it means fall fashion, cozy outfits. I just love fall style. I love the colors. I love the trends. It's so chic and unbeatable. And heading into winter as well with holiday dressing, 
I'm actually very excited about this. So Saks.com is making it easy for me to elevate my every day. What an iconic place to shop fashion online. Of all of the fun ways to shop Saks.com, my favorites have to be shopping by their curated shops. So you can shop by trend. So you can do like quiet luxury or 90s revival. I'm very big on the quiet luxury look for fall. I think it's just so chic, so simple, so elevated. And Saks has all of the best quiet luxury look goods. Or you can shop by vibe. So like cozy vibes or disco vibes. I've been going to a lot of disco related parties lately. So that's actually very timely. You can shop by star sign or you can shop by situation. So like date or revenge dressing, you know, we absolutely love that. A couple other things I saw on the website are like the power suiting moment, the it accessories are a full fall wardrobe refresh. So this is really good for those of you who need some inspiration heading into fall for what you want to do with your wardrobe this season. I do want to touch on revenge dressing for a second because I feel like that's such a trend right now. And it's actually one of my favorite things. When I go out at night, I'm like revenge dressing all the way. At Saks.com, you can shop by situation like this. So you can find the perfect revenge dress from brands like Christopher Esber, which I've seen everybody wearing lately. I'm obsessed. And Colt Gaia, another classic fave. So if you're like me and you're always looking for easy ways to try new trends and a little direction in that category, or if you want a new wardrobe that fits the era that you're in, then I suggest switching your inspiration scrolling for all of your outfits to Saks.com for new ways to shop for everything every day. Today's episode is sponsored by Tacovas. So it's football season, as many of us are well aware of which means it's boot season. I would say it's probably boot season all year long because I just love living in my cowboy boots. But I really do think fall football season, it just kind of goes hand in hand with cowboy boot culture, okay? So step out to your tailgate or watch party in Tacovas this fall. Their handcrafted boots for men and women will elevate your game day look. And with dozens of styles and colors, you may find them to be a stylish way to rep your team. Handcrafted from premium bovine and exotic hides, every pair of Tacovas is quality made to keep you in a personal style that's all yours to own and for others to admire. From vintage denim to more formal attire, a great pair of boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw eyes and start conversations. Being from Texas, uh, cowboy boots have been a very big part of my personal style since I can remember. It kind of started out like when I was younger especially visiting the ranch every single summer, uh, you kind of use them for actual utility. Like they're an incredible, <laughs> very useful shoe to have, especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere, walking through tall weeds and all the things. But they obviously have moved their way into my city girl lifestyle as well. And I love walking around cities like New York and LA and seeing girls and their cowboy boots. Like I feel like it's just so stylish and trendy right now. They're definitely having a moment in the mainstream. And as a Texan, my heart is so happy to see that. So pair elevating your own personal style with Jacoba's signature out-of-the-box comfort, direct-to-consumer pricing, and free shipping and exchanges on all boots, and you'll never have to worry about scoring your perfect pair. So I have three pairs of Tacovas. I actually have three pairs of the Annie boot in different colors. I have the color Bone. I have the color Caramel. And then I have like a green color that I don't think they have in stock on the website right now. 
But I think the Annie is definitely, if you're new to boots, that's definitely where I'd start. It's such a classic fit. It's so comfortable. Tacova's boots do not need to be broken in, in my experience, which is so rare for a cowboy boot. If you all know anything about boots, sometimes you got to wear them a little bit to make the leather just softer around your foot. And like it could give you blisters, all that stuff. Tacova's is literally straight out of the box. So soft, so perfect. One little tip I do have is I generally size down about a half size in Tacova's. Also to note, Tacova's customer service is always at your service. They take customer service very seriously. So getting your classic perfect pair of boots is going to be so easy. When comfort leads, confidence follows, and Tacova's delivers both right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently all season long. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. We're going to do an Ask P episode. I haven't done one of these in a little bit, so I felt like we should definitely jump into one today. At the top of the episode, I always like to say disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. You know your life better than me. You know your the characters in your life better than me. You know what's going to make you happy better than I do. Even if you think you might not, you always need to look inward. Remember, that's the point of the podcast. Note to self, literally was born of me just trying to talk myself into or out of whatever I needed to and sharing my life experience, just kind of one to get it out, but definitely to kind of, I don't know, relate to other people on the same kind of just being on the same wavelength, because as much as all of our lives are very different from each other, sometimes I feel like we all kind of can relate on the same similar topics. You know what I mean? That's one thing I always realized about social media is people are constantly begging for relatability and they're begging that you know, influencers, a big thing is like stay relatable. So let's talk about like an Emma Chamberlain. People, a lot of, I think, commentary she gets now is that she's no longer relatable. But the thing is, she's still relatable. Just because she's rich doesn't mean she doesn't have fucking problems in her life and she's not relatable or she's famous. Famous people are relatable as well. Everyone's relatable in their own way. I also don't expect, I don't know, it just bothers me when people want content creators to be relatable. I'm like, why does everyone need to be exactly like you for you to find them interesting or want to follow them? Like I follow people who are not relatable to me at all in lots of or I guess in lots of ways on purpose, because if I just followed a bunch of me's, I would be so fucking bored. I already am me. I don't need to be following me. I don't need everyone I follow to be the most relatable person on the planet. That's kind of the point is for me not to relate to them in some way. When what's interesting is when you find people who are so different from you and maybe so on the surface unrelatable when you realize that as human beings, we still go through a lot of the same struggles, even if this person lives, I don't know, in a mansion in the Hollywood Hills and I don't, and their life seems so easy on the surface, I feel like you can always find relatability, though it's not something I'm always looking for because that would be so fucking boring. That's my little mini rant on the relatability thing. But All of that to say, you know yourself better than I do. So this really is just about entertainment. It's about connection. It's about seeing what's up in you guys' lives. And it's about kind of sharing any experience that I have had that is similar to this and how I have handled it. Or if I've had a friend who's had a similar experience, how I would tell them to handle it. So don't take me way too seriously, okay? Because at the end of the day, I'm just another person on the planet. I also don't know what's going on. I don't think any of us really do. So trust yourself first and foremost. But I'm just throwing my opinion in the hat because it's been asked of me. Okay. This is solicited advice that I'm also telling you, you don't need to take. Okay. 
because again, I don't know everything. I don't know how many times I need to get that tattooed on my forehead. I don't know what's going on. Okay. So don't, again, don't take me too serious on any episode. Really. This is just me sorting my shit out on a mic, (laughs) but I got some really great questions today. I went through and usually I kind of just go towards the more contemporary questions on that note to self like ask piece submission sheet. I'll go towards the ones that have been submitted last, but lately I've been scrolling up and just going through some of the older ones as well. If you guys want to submit to ask P, I try to do an episode like this every single month, please go to the show notes. You can do that on YouTube or you can do it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're watching and you can submit anonymously to ask P and give me as much or little information as you want. I typically choose ask P questions that are like medium in length. So I would say like not way too long because I can't read that on on air um, and really give you a thought out response if it's like so insanely long with so many different points. But I like some like medium length ones. I don't even know what length to give you. You'll see when I read through these. I have like one shorter one on here, but that's it. And the shorter ones, sometimes it's like not explaining enough. It's just like a general question that you could ask on like a Instagram story Q&A versus like an actual advice column episode. So that's what I'm looking for when I'm choosing these questions. And then I try to choose things that are from a different a couple of different categories. That being said, I kind of looked at keywords here. I did not go through and like actually think of my advice for this yet. We're just going to do that on the mic. Sometimes I regret that, but other times I'm like, you know what? I just want to do a quick little, here's my immediate thoughts on the matter. Because sometimes I surprise myself with my own advice. I'm like, damn, that was actually pretty good advice for thinking about it for two seconds. All right. So we'll start with number one, as usual. Okay. This one says, I am 23 and just graduated college in May and living in the same big Midwest city I went to school in. About five months ago, I met a guy who was older, 26, and we started talking all summer. We officially started dating in the beginning of August. We have a lot of the same interests, enjoying the same gym, love going on walks, cooking. Both are interested in living healthy lifestyles, etc. For the most part, our relationship has been pretty great. However, he recently brought up the fact that I plan on moving back to the West Coast, where I'm originally from, after my lease ends in June. First, he said he didn't want to do long distance, but then he said it's not that I'm moving, it's where I want to move. He isn't from the Midwest, but he wants to move to Florida, Texas, or the Carolinas. We haven't been dating three months yet, and he says he doesn't want to get hurt or waste his time, and I know he wants us to choose a new city that works for us. I know he wants to get married soon and settle down. This is my first real relationship. And I know that I would need to be closer to my family. In parentheses, I also can't deal with the horrible weather where I'm currently living. When I bring up wanting to stay in our same city for another year, but he would have to compromise on location, somewhere we both want, we agree somewhere that's not as close to my family as I want. He isn't as close to his family or doesn't have as many siblings. Uh, I have six. I am confused what to do because we have these conversations. We don't want to break up. But he is asking me to commit to a future with him when we just started dating and I'm not ready to. I totally understand his point of view, but I also feel like he's making demands that I can't promise and he's being selfish. I feel like he is being unfair when I try to compromise on staying, but he won't ever change his mind on moving to the West Coast, even though he knows that would mean being with me. He now always brings up breaking up or, quote, being single soon. That has desensitized me to it. I am not sure what to do anymore. Please help. All right, let me think about this one for a sec and take a sip of my water here. We're hydrating for Wholesome Girl Fall. Okay, so the first thing that strikes me here, I'm not going to say that it doesn't exist that people know each other for three months or date for three months and get married and are totally happy. 
I know that happens. I think when that happens, though, it works out usually when both parties are pretty sure of that scenario. And for you to say that you don't know after three months that you want to commit to a future with him for sure is totally normal. Like that is logical behavior, smart behavior. You're 23 years old. And I don't want to ever say to someone like, oh, you're 23, like so much is going to change, whatever, because some people are going to get married at 23 and are totally fine for the rest of their entire lives. But me at 23, one, definitely not ready to get married. That would have been really fucking stupid of me for me specifically, because remember, this is me answering the best of my ability. Okay, that is what strikes me as number one. I don't want you to feel like you're crazy or like it's weird of you to question after three months if you want to spend your entire future with someone. That's normal behavior. I think that's incredibly smart behavior. You're not getting caught up in something. You're being a smart gal. I'm very proud of you. His pressuring you to live somewhere specific after that three months and kind of talking about things like like you're fitting into his future rather than the compromise of it all. That is already a red flag in terms of a partnership. Like I've met men like this. I don't know if he's exactly like this, but I've met men who remind me of this, I guess, where when I was younger and I was a little more, I guess, in the dating game and like going out and like kind of dating multiple guys and just and doing it more so for fun, I realized there are a lot of men out there that decide that they want to get married and then slot you into the role of the woman they're going to marry. And they expect you to like be excited about that and feel lucky. For me, I could always tell when someone was trying to do that. I'm like, I don't know why you like me so much and why you're so sure. We haven't known each other that long. And if you want to get married so quickly and you want me to do X, Y, and Z things to fit into your life. For me, that was just a red flag. And it felt like, oh, you want a wife and you found me who matches this criteria for you. So you want to get married to me now. That freaks me out. That like actually really scares me. It's almost like adjacent to love bombing. Like I know they're not, he's obviously like getting in tiffs with you about it. So it's not exactly love bombing, but like it kind of is like it's, it's moving too quickly. And if you are picking up on that, physically yourself, like if you feel rushed or anxious or unsure, you need to listen to yourself in this situation because he could be doing something like that. And again, I don't really know how that ends up working out in the long run. But for me, it was always really important for someone to see me and be compassionate and and understanding of my own timeline. I will say with my last relationship, we'll call it (laughs) because we're in the midst of dealing with that right now. But with my relationship, the one I've had in my life that's been the most prominent, I felt like we we moved at the right pace for me and we dated for about a year and a half long distance before we decided to move in together. And at that time, I was when we moved in together, I was just turning 28. And I felt like that was a good time for me to move in with someone. But I felt safe and comfortable in that moment. And there definitely is a difference between like being nervous to move in with a man for the first time because I was definitely nervous. But I knew I was ready and I knew our relationship was at a point that we needed to take that next step, which I don't regret at all. But all that to say, I knew I was ready and I knew that I could see myself marrying this person. And at the same time, he on the other side wasn't trying to like force me into something. And I wasn't trying to force him into something. It was a very mutual, natural decision. So you have to think about this. 
the way he's handling this compromise, not compromise. Is this the way you want to live your life in the future? Do you want to go through maybe right now it's the moving where you're going to move in together, which, again, I think is so quick, but maybe it's just how you act or it's how you are or whatever. Maybe you just know when you know kind of sounds like you're a little bit nervous about it. And I think that's one thing you don't need to be forced into doing or pressured into doing. I think it needs to be exciting and fun. But anyway, I, I don't it seems like he's handling this in a way that he's not allowing for compromise at all. And when other big decisions come up in your life and for your future, is this how you want them handled? Is this who you want to be dealing with when it comes to decisions about marriage and about money and about children? And of course, people can change. People can get better at things. So this is something you guys can communicate through. 100% wonderful. I think that people are always going to have difficulty in relationships relating or agreeing. But I feel for me, from what you're saying, the red flag for me is the way he's choosing to go about dealing with a disagreement and a, quote, compromise that doesn't really seem like he wants to compromise. Kind of seems like he's saying like, oh, it's a compromise because I'm giving you the three places I want to live and you can choose, which kind of doesn't feel like a compromise, <laughs> literally at all. Another red flag I'm seeing is when someone doesn't want to do long distance, I do understand at face value that long distance is difficult. But I also do think that long distance is such a good gauge of whether you're in a relationship for specifically the other person or not. So if we're talking about how he's trying to slot you into a role, kind of, which I think you just I don't know if he's actually doing that. I'm just saying be cognizant of that because that does happen. A long distance relationship helps to show that a person is not doing that, in my opinion, because long distance can be hard. But to me, I think it made my relationship better rather than worse. And it's difficult. It requires a lot of patience. But sometimes I really do think distance makes the heart grow fonder if it's the right person for you, specifically that person. Now, if he's just looking for a girlfriend, a fiance, a wife that he wants around, he doesn't want to deal with the complexities of long distance, then that's another thing you need to consider. So I should probably start actually coming up with bullet points. (laughs) I'm looking at these before so I can be more coherent. <laughs> but that is my very messy way of saying those are the red flags I'm seeing. Be careful that you're not getting slotted into a role because he just wants a wife and girlfriend right now because the timeline worries me a little bit unless this is one of those random moments that does happen where you just two people meet each other and they just know I would be more on that side if you weren't so hesitant. And I think you are right to be hesitant. I also don't think that I think that 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 kind of relationship that where it happens really quickly is valid as well. Obviously, people go through it a lot. It's not for me. I'm just not that kind of person. I am. I speculate way too much. I need a partner. I am very realistic. So when things move quickly, I get anxious. Um, And I think that that's okay. I think both sides of it are okay. So that that's a part I don't know about you, which I wish I did know so I could give better advice. But that's kind of like the two avenues. You know, if you're like this and it's just magical and it's a one in a million shot. Okay. Maybe, you know, the red flags aren't as red, but for me, flags are looking red. This is something that would make me a little bit nervous. And this is something I would have a conversation about, you know, specifically, why are you with me and why do you see a future with me versus you want a wife and I'm here kind of situation. And you want me to just do everything to make your life easier. The second it becomes not easy, i.e., I don't want to live exactly where you want to live or I'd like to do long distance. You are going to 
threaten almost to break up with me. I think that that's just kind of fucked up. So that's my two cents on that one. All right. Number two. Firstly, I want to say thank you for being such an inspiration to my life. I love being a part of your community and I'm always rooting for your success and growth. That is so pure. Thank you so much. She says, I just turned 25 and decided to pursue entrepreneurship fully. Do you have any advice on maintaining that work-life balance you feel or when you feel the need to always be on? I'm hoping this might just be a really busy period with launching my rebrand, but wondering if it'll really even out. I'm pursuing social media management and content creation, by the way. Okay, so shifting gears for this one. This is something that I've dealt with working for myself for the past seven years almost. It is amazing and it's a beautiful privilege to have the ability to and the freedom to create your own schedule. But if you're someone who's addicted to stress, if you're someone who's like me, if you're someone who lives, I wouldn't say in a lack mentality when it comes to life, but when it comes to like income and money. I think personally, it's something that I was way too attuned to from a young age when my family didn't really have like crazy funding at all. So I was just as the oldest, really aware of our lack of money and where we needed to save and where we need to be smarter and like how much money we had and all these things that a kid probably shouldn't know. So for me, no matter how much money I make and I got lucky later in life where my parents after the military became much more successful and I got to live a, a life that was un, like I'm just so grateful for it and the access I had to education and things like that was amazing. But that was later. And the reason I talk about it like that all the time is your brain develops pretty young. So the way that I view money specifically, that resource is completely different than the way like my little brother views it, who was born 12 years later than me after we are out of the military. No matter how much I have, even being grateful for it, I always feel like it's not enough or it can be taken away. So that's how I work. I work in a way that sometimes is not smarter, it's harder. So I have this mentality that we need to be working, we need to be working, we need to be working because what if there's no money? What if there's no money? What if we can't afford this? What if, you know, it is ruminating thoughts in my brain. It's definitely something like when I'm talking about going to therapy and stuff like that, that's what I talk about in therapy a lot of the time is this like ruminating lack, no matter, even if I'm not lacking, like especially if I'm not lacking, it feels like it can be taken away at any time, partially because the way I grew up, partially because of the way my parents grew up and the way that they talked about money. So that's a whole deep dive that I need to deal with. But I think that understanding what your motivation is when it comes to work and really debunking that is step number one in, is in learning the work-life balance. Because for me, I never had any balance because I was so anxious all the time. And I had to be like, why am I anxious? Why can't I stop? Why can't I sit down and watch a movie and not sit on my fucking phone and need to be making content and doing these things and learning better ways to do things and shooting out emails and, you know, seeing what other people are doing so I can do something better or like evaluating data points or whatever it is. Why am I overcommitting? And it was because of my anxiety due to our surrounding lack of money. So for me, that's been the way that I've started to learn to build a work-life life balance. It's not like a surface level thing because every time I tried to do something to change my really unhealthy work ethic, which by the way, is usually seen as a good thing. Like people, especially in my family, it's like, if you work hard, you're great, you know, whatever. I don't think that's true. I think you need to work smarter 
I think that's a better way to look at things overall. And I think that working hard sometimes can work against you because then you don't have the time and the space to gain clarity or like a distance away from whatever you're working on in order to start thinking about it in a more creative way or again, just like a more unique way. And I think especially when it comes to content creation and like social media management, there is a creative part of that. And you can't just work it like a factory machine. Like you need to have time and space to like read stuff and get inspired. And you can't just be constantly doing administrative work. Like it just doesn't beget a good product at the end of the day. So I started looking at, you know, what was driving my inability to have a work-life balance and really understanding that in myself and trying to figure out how to deal with that anxiety. I do want to put a disclaimer here right now in my career. I do have the freedom to take some hours off. I think sometimes I I always think about how I feel so lucky that the only thing I've had to do really to succeed is take a mitigated risk when it comes to the job because I started this job a while ago and the whole influencer space was really new and no one knew how it was going to pan out. I took a mitigated risk. I knew that I would have something to fall back on at the end of the day if I really needed something from my family, if I needed, if I could not make rent this month, I knew I could have some assistance with that. Now, they're not going to give me money for rent. Like, they're not paying my rent. They'd be like, come home. That's stupid. But I knew I was taking a mitigated risk. And the other second factor that that is just hard work. I always feel like I think sometimes hard work, especially amongst people who aren't, I don't want to say suffering, but don't need to work all the time in order, literally in order to make money to make rent because they can't. I think we look at ourselves and think, well, I work so hard. And I think that's the whole thing about influencers saying they work so hard. Influencers work really hard. But the thing is, they're working hard to get to follow a dream that they have. They're not working hard a lot of the time. I I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I I was working hard to follow a dream. And that's a really lucky position to be in because a lot of people work hard to put food on the table for a fucking family. Like, when they work hard to get an education. They work hard to have all of these things that I already had, you know, as a springboard to go off of. So if all I had to do was take a mitigated risk, not a complete risk, a mitigated one, and work hard in order to like make a solid amount of money, I feel insanely lucky. I'm proud, but like not, it's not like I I came up from nothing and I did all these things. I want to be clear about that when I talk about things like this, about working hard and taking time off and doing all that stuff. I understand that I am in a privileged position that the only thing I really had to do was work hard in order to get where I am now. Because, I mean, and have a little bit of luck, but I do think it's just the working hard, working hard, working hard, and then luck finds you when you're working hard for a while. But when I talk about working hard in that way, it's not in a way that I'm like so crazy proud of myself and I'm trying to be like, you could just be just like me if you know. I'm just saying I did work hard. Influencers do work hard, but I do want to acknowledge the privilege that, you know, working hard is. Um, to me is a privilege. Having the ability to work hard at something that I actually love, that is the privilege of it all. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, I have reached a time where I can sit here and say, okay, a work-life balance is important to me because I can pay all my bills. Like I can just do my job and I can stop if I want to. So that's where to me, the hard work situation goes from, it's not necessary anymore and it goes to almost unhealthy. So if you're in a position, like you're saying, I'm hoping I might just be really, it might be a really busy period with launching my rebrand. I think it's okay to be a little bit overworked sometimes. When you're in a position where you're going through, like, like, say, you're just starting or you're relaunching, 
that's oftentimes when you have the most motivation too. So you might just want to ride out your motivation high, but you can't do that forever. And that was my problem. Like I'll get really motivated and want to work all day, every day and just like, like ideate things and come up with the new launches and just spend all night editing and like doing rebranding stuff and emailing and pitching and all of these things. That is a beautiful time. I really appreciate those times. And I like to take advantage of those times. I think it becomes a problem when you overwork constantly, constantly, constantly over over time for the sake of overworking or because you're driven by anxiety. So figure out what's driving you to work hard. Is it this motivation piece that you're just really excited right now and you're starting something new and you're fresh and you're so excited? Or is it like an anxiety-filled almost like lack-driven mentality that you're working hard because of. And this is all, by the way, assuming that your basic needs are being met and you can pay your rent and you're okay. You can eat, there's food on the table, things like that. So those are the two options in my head if those basic needs are being met. Are you working for the motivation? Are you working out of lack and anxiety? If it is the motivation piece, you'll know it because that comes in spurts. The other one, not so much. That's kind of an underlying thing that seems like it's something you need to work on as a human being. So you just aren't driving yourself crazy for the rest of your life. Because I'm one of those people that I could work hard at this job that I have right now. But prior to this, I was working hard specifically at school or I was working hard specifically at little businesses that I would start in my youth. You know what I mean? Like taking it way too seriously and working hard for the sake of working hard, because for some reason, that's what gave me fulfillment. And that's what made me feel like I was being useful to myself and to the world. And that's something I had to debunk on a basic foundational level before I even started implementing some other strategies about work. So some other strategies that are more surface level that I started implementing after I've figured out why I'm running myself crazy. One is have a work time. So obviously very simple. A lot of people work like a nine to five. So that would be your hours. For me, I kind of started doing that and then working way past five because I could, because I'm not going home and no one's going to stop me from doing that. And I was nervous, but then I was like, all right, I need to have a specific time that I'm working and nine to five is just not when I'm the most productive. So I would like push it back a little bit. I go work out in the mornings a little bit later and then I'll work from like, I don't know, 10 to one, I'll stop for lunch and then I'll work. Or maybe I'll do something like run errands midday just to break up the work. And then I'll work like late afternoon into the evening time. And that is what works best for me. But having that mental time that I'm working and then a time where I'm like trying to turn off is really important. And if I don't get my to-do list done, I'm okay with that. Because at the end of the day, I'm an influencer. Like people aren't going to die if I don't do my to-do list. Yes. Do I need to be getting my job done? Absolutely. Do I need to be on top of stuff in general? Absolutely. But I'm not going to drive myself absolutely insane to get a piece of content up because it really doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day. It just doesn't. It's not, I'm not my dad. I'm not flying fighter jets responsible for people in a war zone or myself, (laughs) like the lives of people. I'm not a doctor. I'm not like a practicing politician or government employee who's who need I'm not part of something that people really need me you know what I mean like I'm just kind of here for the fun of it all all right so I just take it less serious and with content creation like you're saying specifically this job business in general now runs on social media I do understand so sometimes there's lots of money at stake and and deadlines and things like that but at the end of the day just remember what you're doing and it's just not as seriously as we take it at the end of the day it's just not that serious 
not serious enough to wreck your mental health is what I really mean by that. So find out why you're working hard. Is it the motivation piece? Is it anxiety? Is it, you know, something else? And figure out how to really come to terms with that, with that for yourself and how to build a healthy foundation it, with your relationship to work. And then you can implement things like creating a time to work, creating a specific time that you're not working. For me, I put that in my calendar because I'm insane. Understanding that working, not quote, doing traditional like administrative tasks and reading something or doing something like consuming in some other way or meditating or whatever is actually really helpful to your craft. So technically it is kind of working still. (laughs) That's how I justified it in my mind. So we can tell obviously that I still need to work on my relationship with work. But anyway, even that is like a fucking job as well. And I'm going to make that a job because at some point I'll work on my relationship with work and then I'll come up with a podcast episode about how I worked on my relationship with work, which is my work. So that's nice for me. We're still figuring out. Again, this is note to self. I don't know what's going on either. But anyways, that's kind of the that those are the steps I took to figure out why I'm working so hard and then how to implement little strategies in order to chill the fuck out. But if you're having an exciting time in your job, I do want to reiterate that. You're allowed to let yourself have an exciting time. I feel like there's so many people with so many different businesses that are like, yeah, we used to spend all night just like packing orders because like we got so many orders one day and like I just had to stay up till 4 a.m. And it was they talk about it like it's exciting, but it's just when it starts to wear on you over time is when you need to probably pay attention to it. And also don't feel guilty. You, you need to understand that. I think for me, it's the guilt portion a lot of the times that I feel like I should be doing something. But that also stems from me trying to prove that what I do is a real job. And I just need to like work on not trying to prove that. So it's the guilt portion of it all, too. I understand that. Today's episode is sponsored by Woo More Play. So you've heard me talk about Woo More Play many a time. All right. And we're back to talk about it again today. And that's because I want all of you guys to be having great sex. Sex is so important to our health, to our physical health, to our mental health, either by yourself or with a partner, you know, whatever your deal is, we need to be having great sex around here. That is a note to self, very important tenet. It's going into my, I'm adding it to my five pillars. It's the sixth pillar is just have great sex. If you know, you know, I've talked about my five pillars before. We More Play is an all natural sexual wellness brand that uses only good for you ingredients. If you have not tried the Coconut Love Oil Lube yet, you are missing out on the best sex of your life. Coconut Love Oil is silky, non-sticky, and feels supernatural on your skin. I recommend using it for everything like foreplay, sex, massages, whatever you want. It's also edible, and it tastes and smells like a vanilla cupcake. So, you know, I might have had a little visitor come in town for the past couple of weekends, and we might have gotten into a tube of coconut love oil and I am obsessed. Okay. I actually keep it right by my bed. It's really cute. I have both the regular like tube of the oil and then I have the travel packs and a little box by my bed. That might be TMI, but I'm just, just letting everyone know how important this stuff is to me. Also, if you want to introduce a third party in the bedroom or step up your own self-care, Woo's vibrators are just what you need. Choose from a G-spot or clitoral vibrator that are so cute you won't need to hide them away in your bedside table. I think sometimes as women talking about sex, especially talking about masturbation, self-pleasuring, things get a little bit awkward sometimes. I just feel like we don't talk about it enough, and I am 100% here to normalize that because we all need to be using vibrators. 
We all need to be checking in with ourselves in all the ways, especially sexually, and just experimenting. Figure out what you like, figure out what you don't like. And I think a great way to do that is by using a vibrator for a self-care moment. Woo is giving you 20% off your purchase and randomly choosing orders that use my code to refund their entire purchase. That's right. They're randomly choosing orders to completely refund. Head over to woomoreplay.com and use code note to self at checkout. That's W-O-O-M-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y.com. Code note to self at checkout. All right. Number three. This one's a little bit longer. Another relationship one. First off, wanted to say how connected I feel to you as I also grew up in a military family with two siblings. Listening to your podcast has made me feel so understood. So thank you so much for that. You are so welcome. I hope that's what everyone, kind of how everyone feels regardless of the military aspect or not, that you feel seen and understood because again, a lot of our lives are very similar. Okay. I just listened to your latest SP episode on long distance relationships and I oddly enough am also in a long distance relationship with an Air Force pilot. We've been together for about a year now. And I'm at a crossroads on whether or not I should move forward in this connection. Our relationship, let's see, our relationship has been tricky because we started out being long distance and there was not really a solid foundation of trust to go off of. As someone with an anxious attachment style, communication is very important to me. And this has been an ongoing struggle for the last year, but more specifically in the first six months or so. His job as a pilot is his main priority and I 100% respect that. While he shows me that I'm still prioritized after sometimes even 12 hour work days. Another obstacle has been dealing with the falling out between myself and his, quote, girl best friend, who had vocalized that I had come between her and this man's friendship. Her and I were best friends and roommates at the time. My boyfriend did not handle the situation as well as he didn't want to or didn't handle the situation well as he didn't want to step on anyone's toes or be in the middle. Since this experience, it's been hard to connect with his friends back home, but progress has been made. And I truly think the issue could be worked through over time. Recently, however, He was visiting me and I went through his phone. Since he's a pilot, he is consistently going on cross-country trips with coworkers and heavily drinking. I found texts between him and a middle-aged woman he met at a bar on one of these trips. There were flirty exchanges between them and he basically invited her back to his hotel room that night. I immediately woke him up to confront this and he claims it started as a joke, went too far, and was a result of being blackout drunk. Even if it was a joke to flirt with this older woman, I don't see any humor in that whatsoever. He claims that he would never have let her come to the hotel and there was no physical cheating involved. He also swears up and down that this has, sorry, hold on one second. He also swears up and down that this has been the only instance of cheating and that he would never repeat this again in the future. Since then, he's trying to earn my trust back by drinking less, increasing our communication, being fully, quote, transparent and investing energy into discussing our future together. He says there will be major changes in his life moving forward to better our relationship from his end but I'm unsure how re- how realistic these are. We're both in our mid-20s and I'm ready for something stable and genuine in my life. I don't know if we can recover from this since we're still long distance for the foreseeable future. I know that going through his phone was wrong, but I have the urge to do it every time we're together since finding out the secret he kept from me. I love him dearly and truly see a future together, even if it's just a little Delulu after this situation. Uh, trust is everything in a relationship and while he's working over time to try to earn back this with me. I don't know if I should even give him the opportunity to. What should I do? Uh, with love, L. This one is, that's a lot. Because obviously, when we're talking about trust in a relationship, it is foundational. And 
this is something I've dealt with just to be very candid when it comes to getting back into a relationship with someone who broke my trust. But I do want to say he did not break my trust in a way. It wasn't like a cheating break of trust. It was like a it was like almost like an abandonment feel to me. Like it wasn't like a he cheated on me or he did anything. I didn't find anything that he was doing with other women. I never really, you know, I think you have intrusive thoughts about that sometimes if you're in a relationship, but it was never something that I was really worried about. Actually, I never felt the need to go through his phone because I didn't feel like I needed to. So number one, I feel like if you're going through his phone, it's less about you. Do I don't think you're doing something wrong. I think if you feel if you know you're a normal person and you trust yourself to be normal, like you're not even if you're have an anxious attachment style, you can be logical about things. You know what I mean? And if you're having this hunch that something bad is happening, you're going through his phone. I don't necessarily think I don't I'm not like, oh, oh, shit, you went through his phone like that was so bad of you. Like, no, if you felt something for me, it's even the feeling of something like if you really feel the need to go through his phone to me, that is when I start thinking, OK, Peyton, you just don't trust this guy. You don't. And in my opinion, in a relationship for me, the dealing of dealing with cheating and dealing with other people or being worried about other people is just absolutely not something that I deal with. I've talked about this a lot when it comes to being in a relationship with someone who anyone who wants to be in a relationship with me before I decide to be in that relationship with them. I make sure I ask them, are you following people on social media that would embarrass me? Are you following people on social media that make me not trust you? And that's before I get in a relationship. And if they say yes, and that's a big thing for them, I go so as far as to not trust people even before we're in a relationship if they're not willing to um, compromise with me, or I guess not compromise with me, appease my need to not ever feel like I have competition, to not feel like there is another person involved in any way. But that's my boundary, and that's my thing that I find important. I do have friends that don't really care, so they say. So I I, I understand that some people are very different for me in that re- regard. So it just depends on where you fall. I can already tell you right now, very simple surface level answer for me. This would not be a situation that I would stay in. But depending on what you value, it seems like, you know, let's say depending on what you value when it comes to this trust thing, if you to you really in your bones, you know that you could see a future with this person and that it's possible for this trust to be won back based on your interactions with him, what he is actually doing, not what he's promising, but let's say he's he's actually following through and doing these things over time, then I can see why you would stay in something like this. But you have to understand, I think this is one of those situations you really need to connect with yourself and think, okay, is this trust rebuildable? And of course, you can give it some time to see how you're starting to feel. For me, and I'll do a whole episode about this, but for me, it was things got really tough in my exes slash not exes, who knows, career. And he isolated himself in that situation. And that was a different kind of trust that was broken, right? Because I would trust someone to move forward to me in a relationship, especially as we were living together. And tell me about things that are going wrong in your life or tell me about the stress of it all or you know, understand that they're going through something difficult, but it's not a reason to leave a relationship. That's a different kind of trust. So for me to get back into a relationship with him, I really had to be like, okay, do I feel completely burned by this? Is this a trust, in my opinion, that can be rebuilt? Can I 
feel like I'm putting my foot back on solid surface when I'm with this person? Or is it always going to feel flighty? And am I, am I always going to have anxiety that this person's going to leave if something goes wrong? Or am I always going to be nervous to get in an argument because it seems like he's going to leave and like I'm starting to have like abandonment, anxiety, whatever it is? Can that be rebuilt by both myself being willing to rebuild it and him putting in the actions over time in order to rebuild that? And does my body feel safe in this situation? Do I, can I look at myself and say, truly, Peyton, what do you feel? Because sometimes I know it's, it's almost sometimes easier to stay in a situation or get back with an ex or whatever than it is to really be like, all right, I'm going to look at myself and really understand what do I feel about this? Does my, and again, I check in with my body a lot of the time. Physically, do I feel really, really uncomfortable? Or does this feel like truly in my soul, this is the right thing? And sometimes it takes some time to figure that out. So for me, in my personal boundary, this is not a trust. What he's done in this situation is not something I could ever deal with. But in my current situation, the trust that was broken in my relationship, different kind of trust, but trust nonetheless, I felt like, all right, this is something that I think I could work through given time, and I'm willing to work through it. And so I decided that I was committing back to working through that. Again, we'll talk about this when I go through the whole getting back together with the next situation and how I'm doing it and why I'm doing all these things. But, you know, we just have different, maybe we have different trusts that we value and that doesn't make either one right or wrong because someone could look at my situation and be like, oh, I would never get back with that person again. And that would be totally up to them. But again, it's just going to take that checking in with yourself. And I also think that you being on the fence about it is normal too. Some people will say like being on the fence about it, that's a sign that you need to leave. I think it's normal. I think it's logical. But I also look at romance and relationships when it comes to a point of like discussing a future together. There is a partnership element that isn't as romantic and isn't as sexy. It just involves choice and ability to work through issues. Again, not romantic, not sexy, but that's what what a partnership is. So if you can see that happening, if you see this, you know, this issue that you've had in the past being resolved through him making a mistake and learning from it because that's another thing I was dealing with when it comes to getting back together or back into my relationship. It's, is this a mistake that you made under duress and you just aren't, you're going to learn from it, which I've seen this man make not mistakes like that, but other mistakes in life and learn and be like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I've personally made mistakes in life and learned from it and didn't do it again. Um, or is this who you are? Is this something that you do? Is this your personality? That's just not going to change. Um, and for me, I'm not ready to commit in a situation unless I see the change happening. It's not just like he's promising he's going to change something or promise he's going to work towards rebuilding that trust. It needs to be happening literally every single day. And it, the actions need to be happening for me to be able to trust that. So if you're in a situation where you want to give it a shot, I think it's totally normal to take your time with that decision. Being in your mid-20s, I know it can feel like you're in a rush, but I would not rush yourself. Even if you need a little bit of time apart. I think sometimes time apart is fine. Breakups feel like the end of the world and maybe it feels like you're leaving something forever. But if you're leaving something and it's left forever, it wasn't the right thing for you anyway. So I would say take your time. I would say don't get into any situation that's going to make you uncomfortable. Check in with your body. Check in with your nervous system. How are you feeling about that stuff? Go listen to the episode that I did a couple episodes ago with the therapist who came on my podcast, she had some great information about nervous system regulation and checking in with your nervous system to see how you're actually feeling and feeling those feelings and then using that information to make your decisions within your relationship. Very good advice, by the way. Like, I will stand by that. I will mention that episode probably for the next 
100 episodes, go back and listen to that one. But at the end of the day, you need to check in with yourself and think, really, truly, is this trust that can be rebuilt or do I need to move on because there will be someone else? If it's not him, if you're good at communicating, if you're good at these things, you sound like a catch, you sound like a really good partner, like you're, you're going to find someone. It'll be it'll be there and it'll be a good choice at that point. So I personally would leave, even though it would be hard. But again, I don't know how many times I can say if this is not something that completely ends it for you, I think it's worth giving it a shot to at least mend this kind of trust. But definitely pay attention to what he does versus what he's saying. Okay. All right. Number four. Should I end a long-term friendship? I've been friends with this girl for 10 years. We're now long distance since I moved away. We regularly keep in contact through text and call, but the last few years, I feel like we're complete opposites. We don't share any common interests, even the way we process situations and thoughts has changed. We've been extremely close, and I've considered her my best friend. The past year or so, I don't really feel that way anymore, although I think she still does. She always asks to talk on the phone and only rambles on about her own niche interests, which I don't appreciate since she used to make fun of me in high school when I would want to talk about my interests, and she quote, wasn't interested in them. It's awkward when she rants about situations in her life that that annoyed her since she expects me to agree, but I almost always perceive it differently and think she was at fault. That's kind of funny. I know exactly how that is. Um, She also likes to talk for at least three to four plus hours, which isn't practical with my work schedule and our time difference. She also never gets the hint when I try to hang up or change topics. To be blunt, I'm not interested in being her friend anymore, but I feel guilty in ending the friendship since she's had some friendship breakups recently, and I think it would really affect her mentally if I, one of her closest friends and longest friendships, ended as well. I'm also not sure if my reasons for ending the friendship seem petty. Recently, she's gotten more serious about coming to visit me, and I really don't want her to. I also just have a bad gut feeling that a big argument will occur and end our friendship. I don't know what to do. Should I end the friendship? Am I being petty? Would appreciate any thoughts, advice. Thanks in advance from SS. Okay, so I actually really just saw a TikTok the other day that was like the guy explaining how he's been friends with all of his friends for like 10 years and how like guys just make really great friends and a girl came like stitched it and was like what's interesting about this and the reason I guess he was saying how girls always seem like they're switching friends or they have friend fallouts or whatever. It's because our friendships are so intense. They're almost like relationships. And I think sometimes we have these friendship breakups because we feel so hurt by our friends or so uncomfortable by them. Like they're we don't keep people at a surface level in this in this way with friendships. Like I know every single thing about my friends. I know every detail of their entire lives. I know every detail of their parents' lives. I know too much and we get so, so, so close. And when you're emotionally that close to people, you have a more emotional fallouts than if you just like barely knew your friend's middle name. And like you just watch sports together or something. Now, I don't want to, you know, I've a lot of men in my life have really deep friendships, but they're not they're kind of few and far between. And I will say there's more service level of it all. I need to find this TikTok because she made some interesting points. But I also think she made some interesting points on the side of men as well, because there are some good things about male friendships as well. Anyway, if I find it, I'll put it on my note to self story. In saying that, I think we could take some some notes from the boys. First and last time you'll probably ever hear me saying that. When it comes to friendships and female friendships, I do think it's very deep. And I feel like we can get emotionally triggered in these friendships because we care so fucking much and we know so fucking much and we put so much effort into them. And we're always doing nice things for our friends and thoughtful things, almost as if we're in a relationship. And when you are emotionally that close to someone, it can feel like you need to either be that emotionally close or not be close at all. And that's such a black or white scenario that I think exists in 
relationships most of the time because you're having sex with this person and it's like you're either single and looking or you're in a relationship and not looking. And your life kind of changes based on that sometimes, unfortunately, but a lot of the times it does. So when it comes to friendships, I don't think we need to look at friendships this way. And as women, I think we do look at friendships this way. I have definitely done this as well. And lately, instead of trying to fully get away from someone, unless they are really toxic for me, what I've tried to do is just voice and communicate what I'm going through in life that might not allow me to be the best friend right now, especially if it's someone that stresses me out and I'm stressed out by them, but I don't necessarily find them toxic or horrible for my life. It's just like I don't like the energy right now and I don't want to be around it. I try not to do draw such a hard line of like, okay, I'm, we're breaking up. We're not friends anymore. I do more of a, hey, I'm really going through something right now and I don't really feel like talking about it. I just need some space. So I kind of just try to draw a boundary around myself rather than be like, hey, we're not friends anymore. Unless there has been some kind of toxic situation or falling out, I don't do that. I have friends of 10 plus years that I don't really talk to as much right now because we don't have similar interests, we don't have similar lives, and we don't have a lot to talk about. But they're not people that I went through and was like, we need to not be friends anymore. You know what I mean? I do like that you say that she's not necessarily getting hints of this, like when you're pulling away. I can see why that would warrant a deeper conversation maybe, but I would be very honest. Maybe don't be as blunt as you were to be by saying you don't want to be your friend anymore because you never really know. I feel like sometimes this happens with friendships and it's happened to me before where like I had a friend that I'm really close to right now that I met when I was 22 and it's not that we didn't like each other or anything. We just didn't really mesh. We didn't have a lot in common. We just didn't, we weren't friends. And now she's one of my best friends. But imagine if she tried to hang out with me and I was like, I don't want to be your friend and I don't like this and we're not we're not really meshing. We're not the same. And I I completely blocked her out. I wouldn't be enjoying a very, very fruitful, amazing relationship that I have now. So, again, it's like the drawing the hard line in the sand. Unless someone is incredibly toxic to you, I think it's good like you would in a relationship to just like say how you're feeling. Say, like, I don't really think that you coming to visit right now is good for my mental health. Like, I just need some space right now or I'm going through this that or the other thing it's just like I'm not capable of what I what I've said before is like I'm not in the headspace to be a really great friend to you right now and I just need almost to be expected less of like just expect less of me right now because I am going through something right now in my brain or I'm stressed or I have these you know some mental things I'm going through that I just it's not going to allow me to be holding space for you in the way that you need me to and I don't have time to like have really long conversations as much as I care about you as a person. I just don't. It's not it's not possible for my life right now. Literally exactly like you just told me. So half of this I would just say to her. And if you care about this person, you clearly care about her feelings and stuff like that. I would do so nicely and I would do so in a way that makes you feel like you handled it with care rather than just being annoyed with her and then in this for the sake of honesty or in the in the name of honesty being more blunt than you probably should be in the long run. Because again, if you've known this person for a while, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be disconnected to this person. She could come back around and be one of your besties later. But if you burn that bridge, then she can't be and you're missing out on something. So this all is to say, unless she's doing something horrible and toxic, I've had a couple of friends that I have kind of distanced from in a respectful way. And then come back together with, and it's been great. I've had a couple friends, well, not really a couple, like literally one that 
I distanced from because she was insanely toxic and I was right to do so. And I stand by that. (laughs) My life is much better. And now after seeing like her and other people's lives, I realized that my life is much better and kind of other people really followed suit in that situation. So, but she was insanely toxic. Like this is like, I'm saying massive blowups and like crazy drama that no one needs to be going through with friends. So unless that's happening, I would say you don't need to draw a hard line in the sand. I would say maybe distance yourself in a way that explains to her like you just don't have the capacity to be a really close friend right now because you just are dealing with your own shit in your own life. And that's what adult friendship is anyway. Like you can't expect all of your friends to show up for you like we did when we were, you know, 10 years ago because we all had the, we had the time and the space to do so. So that's that's that. All right. The last one. Number five. I graduated college a little less than a year ago and moved to a new city. I've always been a super social person and love going out and drinking with my friends. Recently, I found myself significantly less fulfilled by this and just generally never wanting to go out anymore. I know this can come with growing up, but most of my friends don't really feel this way and I feel like I'm coming off as boring. I've also found it hard finding things to do that don't involve going to the bars and drinking and I definitely see my friends less now that I'm not going out as much. I don't want to be the, quote, boring friend or the one who, quote, grew up too fast but I want to feel fulfilled from the things I'm doing and not spend every Saturday and Sunday in bed hungover. I feel like I'm in just a weird transition phase and need some help navigating it because I feel like no one around me really understands. P.S. Love the show and love hearing your outlook on life. Thank you so much for listening. This is one of those things that I feel like happens to everyone in their 20s. Um, It depends. Some people do it later. Some people have it earlier. A lot of my friends actually noticed, myself included, it was like, we were going out like crazy in the beginning of our 20s and then there was like a lull in the middle and then like late 20s, everyone's like back in the streets. We're all going out again and having the best time. So one, don't force yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. I totally understand that situation. I've been in it a million times and I this one resonates with me because like it is hard to find things to do a lot of the times if you're used to being around you and your friends just drinking and like getting excited to go out on the weekends. It's hard to figure out what the fuck to do that doesn't involve drinking. Like, even being being at home, like, making dinner at this point, I'm like, should I have a glass of wine? Like, it's very European of me, huh? It's just like, and I know I don't necessarily want a glass of wine. It just, like, feels like I should be doing it, right? So this one really stuck out to me. One thing that I have been doing is trying to see my friends outside of the going out scene. So even if it's like, maybe I don't go out at night with them or something. Or, but I maybe go meet them for brunch before or I meet them for the pregame situation. And at that, I'll have like a drink or whatever, but then I'll leave and I'll, it'll be fine. Or I try to make out like I make specific times during the week to see these friends, even if it's kind of weird at first where it's like, oh, I usually just see them on Saturdays. Like we don't really hang out during the week. It's like a different, you know, way of going about the friendship. I if you value these friends and you do want to see them, one, I would start doing that something a little more wholesome Two, even with my best friends in life. I feel like you can get to the point where you're kind of doing the same old thing, same old thing, and they want to do their thing. And I don't want to judge them for doing their thing. And I don't want them to find me boring, et cetera. I've made friends just in my workspace. I'm very lucky, obviously, to work like literally on social media where it's just a bunch of people who have the same interests that you can like reach out to. But I've made friends. Maybe they're not my best, best friends in life, but I've made friends to do stuff with on weekdays or weekend days when I don't want to just go out and drink and stuff like that. So it's someone I'll reach out to who's more of like a, I wouldn't say like more than an acquaintance, less than like a best friend. I would assume that would be just like a friend. I'll reach out and be like, hey, do you want to go to a museum? Or hey, do you want to go get coffee? Or hey, do you want to go get brunch? Or hey, do you want to go on a hike? 
I actively plan things to be social. So I feel like I'm not like missing out necessarily on these days. And then I make sure I see my friends who will be drinking and stuff like that on Saturday, Sunday. I go see them during the week and I act totally normal because I also think coming from a person who's had friends who have gotten to be more wholesome when I was more in a wild stage, I think sometimes it can come off like the wholesome person is being like, well, I'm too good for this now or like whatever, like you're saying, like you feel boring. And so on both sides, both people kind of can feel weird. I would address that and just be like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it, but not in a way that's like you're like not condoning what they're doing for themselves, you know? So definitely that's a hard, you know, line to not, I guess, to tote, but I make that really obvious with my friends. And then especially now that like I'm getting back into a relationship, I try to make it really obvious that like, yeah, I'm being wholesome and stuff, a lot of the time because I just like don't feel the need to go out as much because I am not as like bored at my own house by myself all the time anymore. And usually that's what I would do just to get out of my house and like not be alone all the time. Now I don't feel the need to do it as much, but I also try to make sure that they know I'm still me. I'm still going to go out. I'm still going to have fun with you guys. I'm not being boring. It's just that my life has changed a little bit. So my schedule is going to change. What I do, what I am involved in has changed. What I'm not involved in has changed. I mean, that's totally fine. I think it's great to communicate that to your friends in a way that doesn't make them feel like shitheads for going out all the time. It doesn't make you feel boring. I think you can still foster friendships that way. But I would add some friends to your to your friendship roster that enjoy fun, wholesome things. So you always have people to go do those things with on the weekends. And then when it comes to like Saturday, Sundays that I don't want to go out, I plan ahead to have something to do to make it feel like I'm doing something fun. Even if that something fun is just literally laying on my couch or cleaning my apartment. I like plan the day like, okay, today I'm going to clean. I'm getting excited about cleaning my apartment. I'm getting excited about my apartment refresh. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to listen to my podcast. I'm going to go do a workout class. So I make the day feel like a thing, even though it's not a thing. And it makes me feel more fulfilled. And like I did something with that day rather than like, I just feel weird that I wasn't with my friends getting drunk. Because I will say after, like, let's say Saturday comes and goes and I didn't go out. I'm kind of like at the last minute feeling FOMO and wanting to do it. But then the next day I'm like, oh, this is actually great. And I go to coffee with a friend. I get like the details on whatever happened or I text someone or get a voice memo to see like what the tea was. And I don't necessarily after the fact feel like I needed to be involved. Really? You know, so I wouldn't judge yourself. I wouldn't judge your friends. And I would definitely communicate that like, yeah, you're just like not feeling it right now and make those. I don't want to say appointments friendship dates with the friends you do want to see during the week in a more wholesome way and then find some friends that are interested in what you're interested in doing on the weekends and again it doesn't need to be your best best friends in the world it can be your pilates friend your hiking friend your walking friend your you know healthy brunch friend whatever it is you'll find them and i think that this is such a good place to be because you also might find yourself in a couple years being like i'm ready to hit the streets again and be a feral wild animal and i i support both okay as long as you're doing it in a not, I mean, you can't really do that in a healthy way, but you're doing it in a, let's say you're not doing it in a, an extremely unhealthy way. Okay. You're finding some balance. <laughs> I do support feral behavior as well as wholesome behavior. Shockingly. I know. All right. That is the end of this ask P that was a little bit longer than I thought it would be. I always say that. And then I ramble and ramble and ramble. And then I'm shocked at the end of it. A little note to self for m- myself this week. I have a lot to do. I have a lot on my to-do list. I have a lot of big things I need to accomplish and I get really overwhelmed easily because of this. And then it stuns me into submission and I don't want to do anything. Baby steps. Baby steps are really important. Small baby steps 
is pretty much the key to life, just getting started on something and kind of getting getting the ball rolling, as they say. And I need to do that for a, a number of upcoming projects, both work-wise and personal life related. I need to just like get my shit together. I know two weeks ago my note was to get my shit together, but I need to get it together. And the way I'm doing that is baby steps into it. And that's the end of this episode, ladies. I will talk to you guys next week. Please make sure to follow me on Instagram, both at Peyton Sartain. It looks like Sartain, S-A-R-T-A-I-N. And my first name is spelled with an A, P-A-Y-T-O-N. And then at NTSYPS because we're revamping that Instagram. I just felt like it was easier to kind of split them up. I was kind of doing everything on my one Instagram before, but I think it's easier to split them up because I want to share more content on note to self that is note to self related that I don't know that everyone who follows me on my personal account also wants to see. And it's just kind of fun to curate the note to self Instagram and the TikTok and all that stuff. Also, please remember to give note to self five stars wherever it is that you are listening to this. Merch is available for pre-order via the link in the description. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind-the-scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.